This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We're in a, in a series entitled Against All Odds, and we believe that when God gets in uh, to the mix, that it, it beats the odds, and we're going to be looking at 2 Kings 2. We're going to see some incredible things that happen, but uh, before we do, I want to read some words of Jesus, and uh, these are, are found in the handout. If you don't have one, the ushers are providing those for you. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13, it says, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, but to put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that ye may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Let's have one more final word of prayer. Lord, uh, we come before you and we understand um, that, Lord, this uh, concept of being salt and light is uh, not something that originated with us. This is your idea. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to wrap our mind and our heart around it. I pray that you would speak uh, to our hearts from your word. God, I pray that it would glorify you. Uh, Lord, you told us that we are and were created to bring you glory, to to please you, and I pray that we would fulfill that purpose uh, today as we walk through 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. In Jesus' name, amen. When we talk about the odds of something, we're talking about the possibility or the probability of something. And uh, when I was studying for the series Against All Odds, I typed into this, to, to Google, I said, um, uh, what are the odds of, and then I kind of just let it finish. And uh, it was interesting to see some of, the, uh, some of the ones that came up. The first one on there, I thought it would be you know, something. The first one on there is uh, a March Madness perfect bracket. What are the odds? One and 120 billion. Those are the odds. Uh, dying in, in a skydiving accident, um, well, that's one in 250,000. Having twins, couples, all right, one in 250, surprisingly pretty low. Uh, dying in an airplane crash, if you have to fly soon, I'm so sorry, uh, but this is just what Google popped out, uh, one in 11 million. I got those mixed up in the first service and uh, gave uh, everyone a scare. Um, winning the lottery, one in 300 million. And then being struck by lightning, one, that's supposed to say 15,000. So I'm two for two in the services, 15,000. That's the odds. Now, last week we saw how not just one person being struck with lightning, we saw how two or 102 people, men, were struck by lightning just because they would not receive the word of the Lord. 
You say, why was God doing all of these things? Well, last week we talked about it. It was like a defibrillator to the heart of the people of Israel because they were refusing to live the way that God had wanted them to live. They were refusing to define themselves the way God wanted to define things. So last week we talked all about speaking the truth. We believe the truth is not ours. It's not mine. It's not yours. The truth is absolute. The truth is is uh, the, the thing that God has given us to define our lives. I could say that this room is 50 feet wide, and you could say that it's 40, but until we measure it, there is no absolute. And uh, those that teach relativism, uh, I always ask them, are you absolutely sure there are no absolutes, right? And so we, we came to the absolute truth, and we decided we we're going to define things the way God defines them, because when God defines everything, it kind of works. When we define things, it starts to break down as a whole and as a person. So they decided not to define things. Well, today we're going to talk about how our identity is defined by what God said and how his word presents truth. All right, and here's a key thought as we begin, and it is this, that God is the only one qualified to define our identity and provide our priorities. It's just the truth. The God who made us, the creator of the world and an intelligent world, uh, is, is uh, the, the result of an intelligent designer. That's what the Bible teaches. And when we look at 2 Kings 2, we're going to see God doing some things that are pretty incredible. But what he's doing is he's showing us a design, a design that Israel had wandered from, a group of people, uh, and, and this was, you know, Two millennia ago, okay, so it's about 2,500 years ago, but the nation of Israel is a picture of what we're going through today. So we're going to read five different miracles, and these miracles are going to define who we are to be. Now, Jesus already kind of stole our thunder in the sense that he's, he's, he's kind of cut, cutting right to the chase. And Jesus always did that, didn't he? He just went right to the chase. So I'm not going to bury the lead at all. I'm just going to tell you that today's passage is all about being salt and light. What does it mean to be salt and light? I'm going to give you the takeaway right up front because Jesus said to be salt and he said to be light. It wasn't a question of if, it was a question of what, whether or not we would. The light of our lives is the contrast needed to show God's way. Um, now we have people uh, watching online and, and all throughout uh, the, the, the time that we've been in existence as a church. We've had people that have not necessarily bought into God's way, but they're just uh, worshiping with us and trying to figure out what God's way is. That's awesome. We are thankful that you are a part of this journey. What we're trying to do is we're trying to show what you won't hear anywhere else trying to show the truth of God's way as a light, a contrast to say, hey, the world says this. My background's in psychology and counseling. Psychology presents one way, okay? And, and oftentimes, God presents another, and you have to kind of ask yourself, okay, what am I going to choose? I'm going to choose man's wisdom, or am I going to choose God's wisdom in this area? And so that's how we see God's ways, through the light of our lives. It shows God's way. It's a, it, we're, we're walking mirrors of what Jesus was. We're, we're, we're to live the life that Jesus lived. And then the salt of our lives, that's when we are preserving God's values needed in our world today. Now, I, I could point out a lot of practical things, and hopefully I'll have time to do that, but every breakdown of morality, every breakdown of, of society comes to a lack of God-given values. Uh, we see a breakdown of the home. Uh, that, that's, that was instituted by God, uh, man, woman, together. Okay, so that's the design that God gave and he gives us this pattern to follow. Well, those values are needed in our world today. And that when those values are absent, 
okay? Then everything kind of starts to fall apart, all right? So that's, that's where we're heading uh, today. And I want you to look in this passage of Scripture uh, because we're going to see two earthly priorities that, that give us a heavenly identity. There are two earthly priorities. We're just going to go over two of them today. And, uh, and whenever you see God defining uh, some, some things, you need to just kind of take note. Uh, there's going to be some definitions here uh, throughout this narrative. Now, this is narrative. The last series we went through was, 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 was different. It was Jesus saying things very prescriptive. This is and descriptive. Uh, this is a narrative, and uh, we're going to see this in story form. Uh, we're going to see two things. We're going to see about light. We're going to see about salt. Light is to show the way, and salt is to preserve the world. So first of all, number one in your notes, uh, we are to be the light to show the way. We are to be the light to show the way. Let's say that together. Be the light to show the way. Uh, all of us have a light. All of us have influence. Uh, that's been a gift that's been given to you from God. In fact, some of my friends who don't even believe in God have influence. Everyone has been given influence, okay? So all of us have the gift of influence, and, and today we're going to see how God uses the influence of a prophet named Elijah to, to give a light that would, that would cross generations. It would go from one generation to the next generation. And I want you to see this. In verse number six, and Pastor Joe, I think, is going to help us read through some of these passages. Second Kings chapter two, verses six to 13. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord had sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and there were divided hither and thither, so that they went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I am taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and part of them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Now, there's two things we see in verse 6 through 13. First of all, verses 1 through 5 gives us the, the contrast between the generation that was coming behind Elijah who wasn't really sure. And I was a young, young adult pastor for 13 years, and I've dealt with a lot of young adults who weren't really sure about their faith, and that's okay. It's okay to ask the questions. By the way, truth fears no question. And I love having those dialogues and going back and forth and doing the research. When I was 17 years old, I, I, I wanted to prove my parents wrong. You guys have heard my story, but I will tell you that, that these, these 150 sons of the prophets... They weren't pastor's kids. They were just 
in that school. It was called the School of the Prophets, and they weren't sure. They weren't sure about Elisha taking over. They weren't sure. They were doubting, and and so God does some things here. He has two miracles. First of all, uh, they, they watch 10,000 gallons a second stop with the hand of God. Uh, this was something that happened when Elisha uh, took the mantle, uh, that Elijah took the mantle off of his shoulders and smote the water and it stopped and they walked through on dry ground. It wasn't just because Elijah didn't want to get his feet wet. It was because God was trying to show, when you follow me, I will make a way. I will make a way where there seems to be no way. And so Elisha, here he is just following Elijah, and everyone else is taking note. You know, when God tells you to do something and it seems impossible, following Jesus is a, is a step-by-step process that he makes possible, even when it seems impossible. And so here's what happens. He, 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 that's the first miracle of five. He splits the Jordan River. about 100 feet across and 10 feet deep, and they walk across on dry ground. And then, and then here's what happens. Uh, Elijah's uh, life ministry is coming to an end. Not his life, but his ministry is coming to an end. And, 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 and a lot of people point to a contradiction in this passage where Jesus says, no one has been uh, raptured to heaven or come down except for me. Uh, we know that Elijah was still alive after this whirlwind takes him up because he writes a letter to King Jehoshaphat about 10 years later. But, but here's, this, here's this dust devil. Has anyone ever seen a dust devil out here, okay, here in the desert? Dust devil. Man, the other day, uh, my boys were playing baseball, and a huge dust devil just interrupted the game. It was unbelievable. We were, we were you know, pulling dirt and, and dust out of our hair and ears for, uh, for the whole day. But I will tell you that this was a different kind of dust devil. It was a whirlwind that has been seen in California before, and uh, it was actually what I call a fire-nado. I think we have something to explain what that is. Basically, a a fire whirl is is a phenomenon where um, you've got, you know, very high winds that's, uh, you know, around a fire. uh, When that combines with kind of the rising rising heat off of the fire, that can create a, a bit of an eddy, and it's going to pick up some of the combustible gases, some of the smoke, sometimes the debris in the area as well. It's not uncommon where we do have fires that'll burn over equipment, like whether it's hoses or pumps or things like that. Um, so sometimes it'll look more along the lines of like a dust devil. Um, and in some cases, it'll actually um, have some, some fire in it with the combustible gas. So that's Took an example of what we're seeing here, and, and, and a fairly dramatic example of it as well. Um, typically, dramatic. a fire whirl won't be as, as large and, and won't last as long as, uh, as what you're seeing in that clip. Now imagine if that fire tornado, fire nado, as I've called it, um, imagine if it jumped into the road and it took one of those firemen and just sucked them right up and you never saw them again. That would be even more dramatic. That's exactly what happened. That's what's described here in verse number 11. Uh, in 12 is, here he is, he's uh, you know, sucked up into this vortex of fire. It's, it's described as a chariot of fire and horses. I believe this is a Christophany, meaning God was uh, interjecting himself into uh, the world through this. Um, I don't know if they actually saw a chariot or they saw horses or they just saw a bunch of fire and they're like, well, he's somehow he's riding on that, that fire nato away. And so we don't know exactly where it took uh, them. In fact, they searched for Elijah. They couldn't find him. But regardless of of this, uh, this was God's way for Elijah to end his ministry and Elisha to pick up where he left off. And by the way, the transfer of that mantle was very important. 
The fact that Elisha was following in the footsteps of Elijah, and he was going the way. Elijah was going the way that God wanted him. He said, last week we saw, he said what God wanted him to say, and he let the consequences just be up to God. And that's a freeing place to be. Each week when I stand here, uh, we've been working and studying on this. This, this series has been planned for over a year. And, uh, and I will tell you that when I stand, I, I have uh, little uh, ability to control the circumstances after. I just, in love, present the truth. And sometimes, man, it's like, oh, man, why were you saying this to me or that? No, it's all to me. It's all uh, from the Word of God. But I will tell you that when we go the way, we show the way. Number two, we, or letter B, we show the way for others. That mantle is a picture, a symbol of leadership being transferred to the next generation. How do we know this is happening? The word Elijah means Eli, which is God, and Jah, which means the Lord, Jehovah. And it literally transliterates to, my God is the sovereign Lord. That's what the word or the name Elijah means. The word Elisha, the name Elisha means God, Eli. Shah is salvation. It literally means God is not just the Lord, he's my Lord, he's my Savior, he's my God. It's a personalization. One of the things I'm passionate about, we celebrated with Anya Snisarenko in the first service. She just graduated, and she's going to San Diego to university, and, and she's just excited about taking her faith into the university. And I'm, I'm thankful for a generation that's passing their values and passing uh, the, the, the beliefs they have, uh, not just about God, but about their God. And I've watched why that faith isn't transferred from one generation to the next like it was from Elisha or from Elijah to Elisha. And here's a key thought. God doesn't change. We know that. He doesn't fail. God can do anything but fail. But we do. I do. And we must show the next generation that when brokenness and when failure comes, it is not a failure of the goodness of God. It is the failure of a broken person who needs the goodness of God. Friends, I have been hurt by so many people and even people of faith. But I will tell you that that was not God's design. God wants to interject his goodness into, the, into a broken world filled with sin. And he wants to take his perfect design and re-infuse that into the world. And so we see that that's what the generation needs to see. But sadly, in this moment, when all of these miracles were taking place, there was a group of people, there were a group of teenagers, actually, that were Elisha's age, who were mocking the things of God. And I'm thankful they had the freedom to do that. And I am thankful for the freedom of speech for anyone or the freedom of religion for anyone to be able to study and believe. But I will tell you this, that God through this narrative is telling us he's very serious about the temptations and about the voices we listen to in our head about God. Absolutely. And I want you to see this because at the end of the chapter, there's a bunch of teenagers. And through this passage, we see they're actually threatening Elisha. 
They're threatening to close down his school. They're threatening, you can see through the, the language of it, they're threatening to even kill him. And God says, I take that very seriously. Elisha is my mouthpiece. They did not have a complete Bible like we have today. He was the mouthpiece of God, and God took it very seriously. Look at how seriously. Look in verse number 23, Pastor Joe. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. And as he went up from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked them, and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. And he went from thence to Mount Carmel, and from thence he returned to Samaria. Now, without going into the Hebrew of, of the different words, you can study it out. I'd be glad for you to do that. The word little children is actually uh, tongue-in-cheek mocking the people who, who were supposed to be responsible adults. They were, in that cu cultural time stamp, they were working people. They should have been mature enough to allow Elisha to take on that role. But, you know, they didn't want someone their age. 18, 19. And so they were acting like children. And you know why they said, go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. They weren't, they weren't calling a 19, 20-year-old Elisha bald. Elijah, we studied this last week. You can go back and listen to it. He was, what was he noted, what was he noted as? A hairy man because he wore camel's hair. and He might have even been an extremely hairy dude. And so that's what, that's what the king, remember the king, Ahaziah, uh, he, he, he said, hey, listen, who was that? And they said, he's a hairy guy. Oh, I know who that is. That's Elijah. So here you have these 42 teenagers who are mocking the man of God saying, hey, you don't have Elijah. You don't have his power. You're as bald as a bald head. You're not hairy like him. You don't have his characteristics. You don't have his power. You don't have anything. You're not as good as him. God says, hey, be careful who you're talking to. Be careful of that. He takes us very seriously. And so in this moment, we see that God is protecting the word of the Lord. He's protecting his way. He's, share, he's, he, he's giving a warning message to all those that would transget, transgress against his commandment as a light to the generations. The, the fire nato was, was a blast of light coming down from heaven to earth, and the light of Elisha's life was seen step by step, word by word, action by action. And so the light shows the way, number two, and that is we need to be salt to preserve the world. Salt to preserve the world. Now, in verse number 19 through 25, we're going to see how the salt is used in a narrative sense, but the salt is going to reverse a curse that was on the water of Jericho. Pastor Joe? 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of the city is pleasant as my Lord seeth, but the water is not and the ground barren. And he said, Bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. And he went forth into the spring of waters and cast the salt in there and said, Thus saith the Lord, 
I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. So here you have a barren land. Here you have a land that's filled with issues and problems and disease, and it's all kind of tied back to the water. And the salt is a picture of God's values here. You'll see it. Even Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 14, he said, salt is good. And he, he talks about salt creating thirst for the things of God, salt preserving. They didn't have freezers. They didn't have refrigerators. And so salt was a, preserve, a natural preservative. But the, the, the unpleasant and the unfruitful result of the water in Jericho is a result of the sin and the degradation that comes into the world through our own way. There is a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the end thereof is the ways are the ways of death. Uh, a righteousness tended to life, uh, Proverbs eleven nineteen says, and he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Uh, there is always consequences. I've said this uh, to public school kids for a long time, that once we make a decision, that's a power of decision. That's great. We all have the power of decision, but once we make that decision, that decision has power over us. There are natural consequences that God has wired into the universe, and all of those consequences are in the set of values that he gives in his word. Those set of values called righteous values or righteous standards, laws, those things are given in the word of God so that we can understand how he has wired the world to work. So when we uh, live out our values, yes, it shows the way, it's light, but it's also salt to preserve those around us in our community as well. And so letter A, our world is unpleasant and unfruitful without God's values. That is a true statement. Listen, if, if, if there are no values, there's no reason for me to act morally. No reason. But with God's values comes a pleasant, fruitful fulfillness, uh, fulfilling ability in any situation. In fact, it uses the word situation. It says the situation in our city is pleasant. The word situation, uh, it just means uh, a living location, like it's a really good place to live except for the water. Uh, ask Flint, Michigan, they've had this problem, okay? Uh, they, they had some problem with the water. There were people who were getting sick, and they tra traced it back to the water, and that's what they said. The water is not. It's the, it's the Hebrew word ra. It means evil, bad, deadly, destructive, um, unpleasant. It, it literally means the worst, you know, have you ever taken a drink of, of, of something? You're like, man, that's the worst, okay? Now, if you work for this company, I, I'm, I'm not, this is not personal, but, but my, in my opinion, the worst water is Arrowhead water. I cannot stand Arrowhead water, okay? There's just something about it. Uh, when Danielle and I were first married, we lived in a small farmhouse, and, and sometimes we would turn on the faucet, and, and uh, there would be mud coming out of the, 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 the well there, and, and uh, it was just not something you would want to drink. I'd rather drink that than Arrowhead water, okay? I mean, it would just, sometimes you take a drink of something and you're like, there's just something wrong with that, right? It's a little brown or, or, or maybe it just tastes funny, uh, has a smell to it. I grew up in Iowa and sometimes the water would have lots of minerals in it and you turn it on and you're like, man, that water smells really interesting. Like, like I don't think I should drink that. Um, and, and, and so it wasn't just a preference thing. People were dying. Look, they said, we're barren. 
It's, it's the word for uh, grieving because of a loss. It literally means miscarriage. It means something that's been aborted or dying, something that's unfruitful. Their plants were unfruitful. Their crops were unfruitful. Uh, their, 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 their wombs were unfruitful. Uh, even their children were dying because they're like, we got to fix this problem. So what does the man of, do, man of God do? He grabs some salt in a little bowl, not much, and he says, dump this into the spring. And, and they put the salt in the water, and it preserved, it restored, it renewed the water. Now, I want to tell you, and here's a key thought, that nothing brings more suffering and death into our society than when we abandon the values upon which it was founded. Even, even if you abandon the constitutional values upon which it's founded, that's a problem. There are certain values that preserve a society, and so that leads us to letter B, and this is kind of the action item, and that is this, that our voice and involvement preserve God's values in our world today. Is that true? God's voice uh, our voice and involvement, they preserve God's values. What if we decide not to have a voice? What if we decide not to be involved? See, it doesn't take a lot of salt to create thirst, to enhance flavor, to preserve. It doesn't take a whole lot. You come over to my house and, and, uh, and you, you uh, take some of this uh, Costco salt. Apparently, it's Himalayan salt. And uh, and, 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 you know, my wife cooks a meal, and, uh, you know, we're sitting there talking, and you're just like, I like salt, man. You're just, you know, pouring it on, pouring it on, pouring it on. And it, what's wrong with you? Who would ever put that much salt on anything, right? The, the reality is just a little salt goes a long way. Just a little bit of involvement, just a little bit of, of light. Sorry, Isaac, I'm chucking stuff at our worship leader. Um, just a little bit of, of, of having a, a moment to, to, to share the light, to use the salt, is a powerful, powerful thing. In, in fact, when you put salt and light together, light, and I, I think I have a flashlight. This is probably the brightest flashlight that I have, and I'll end with this, but light is a contrast. Man, even then, I looked in the light. I can barely see the little, little dots in my eyes. Light's a contrast. Just a little bit of light will dispel darkness. It's important to understand that, that every time light comes into contact with darkness, light wins. But the, the, the parallel, can I give this to you? The parallel is between light and salt. The reason why this, these stories are paralleled in the passage, the light of the fire coming down and the salt in the water, uh, they are both something that God used to do miraculous things against all odds. But I will tell you that when you put salt and light together, it can truly save the world. Let me illustrate it this way. There's a power plant right on the border of um, California and Nevada and it is the, right now, and it's soon to be the second, but it's right now the, the most powerful solar plant on the planet. And what it does is it uses salt and light as a powerful combination. Let's take a look at this. We'll focus the sun's rays onto the apex of a 600-foot tower filled with salt. So we heat up our molten salt to 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and then we're gonna store that liquid and use it for power generation.
salt retains heat in a liquid form better than any other common non-hazardous mineral. The molten salt will boil water into high-pressure steam that spins the blades of a turbine. After this, the salt will be recycled and reheated again and again. But this is different. I mean, this thing can make so much power, it's beyond belief, you know? So can this plant save the world? Yes, it can do it. Given the opportunity, absolutely, it can do it. This plant can save the world. Well, he's talking, obviously, about energy. He's talking about clean energy. He's talking about a lot of things. But if you ever drive by down the 15, and you know, you're, you're heading from Los Angeles or, or wherever to Las Vegas on the 15, on your left-hand side, um, you will see the, these thousands of mirrors. And as the sun shines, I think we have a picture of it, the, the, the sun, I mean, look at that, it's just a vast uh, amount in the Mojave Desert, a vast amount of mirrors shining, and they're shining onto these towers. And these towers are creating power, but it's one mirror after another mirror reflecting the light, reflecting the sun, and the, and, and, the, and the salt in those towers are being heated up, and it's being transferred into a power that, that, that truly, in fact, it can power, look at that, they're, they're glowing with heat. They're, they're, they're transformed into a power that could, that could heat or, or could power over 200,000 homes. Now, this is an amazing amount of power that's being generated by the sun. And as Christians, we've been given the, the responsibility. We've been given the, the priority to carry God's values. In fact, here's a key thought. As, as Christians, our values are only as present in our community as we are. And our values are only present as we endure in our community uh, to be engaged. We must choose to be engaged. We must share the light of Jesus the fact that he is the only one that lived a perfect, sinless life, who died the death that we were meant to die, and who was raised up, the only verified resurrection, the one who was raised up after being in the grave three days, he is the one we are reflecting, and our lives are to reflect that light, that good news. So I would encourage you as an action item, I would ask uh, I would encourage you to ask the Lord to heal our land, to return hearts back to him, and to seek to answer this prayer. How do we do this? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear their prayer and will forgive their sin, will hear the, heal their land. That's a wonderful verse to memorize, but I believe that when we ask God to change our world, he will always Start by changing us. Today at the uh, connection point, we have uh, several ways, in fact, 12 different ways that you can be involved, where you can be salt and light in our community. And I would encourage you to stop by there if you'd like to volunteer, if you'd like to be engaged, if you'd like to be uh, a part of being salt and light. Uh, nothing uh, that, is, that is outside of our mission, but, but everything to, to engage in our community, to engage in our world. I believe we should steward the voice that we have in our city, in our county, in our country by being in, as involved as God wants us to be. Why? Because here's the takeaway. The light of our lives, that light that God's given us, and we've all been given a light, is to show God's way. It's needed to show God's way. And the salt in our lives, preserves God's values needed in our world today.
If we don't preserve God's values, who will? If we don't reflect God's light, who will? Friend, every person in this room will stand before God for how you've used your light. And it is by the light of Jesus, who is in John 1, the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. It is that light that we have light. And there are many that are in darkness, and, and, and by that, they have, chosen to, they have chosen to become their own light. But all of us have a choice. And that choice is to either reflect the light of Jesus or to try to be our own light. Jesus says, but as many as received him, then gave he the power to become the sons, and I like to add the daughters of God, even to them that believe on his name. New life was started to give new life to those who are in darkness, to give new life to those who are trying to do it on their own. Friends, no one can be good enough on your own. Jesus was the only one good enough, and all we have to do is trust, put our faith and trust in him, I talked to someone yesterday. They said, I've never read the Bible and I don't really want to. And I said, well, everyone's gonna spend forever somewhere. And the Bible tells us how we can spend forever with Jesus, with God in eternity through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Friend, if you don't know that, if you're watching online or you're on the radio or maybe you're here, I would love for you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior into your heart. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.